I'm Frederick Gerton, and I'm the filmmaker. And I'm Leilani Farha, and I'm the advocate. Welcome to Pushback Talks, and we're back again. Leilani, the other day there was some great news coming out from the United States, and it's about language. President Biden said that housing is a right. That's what you've been stating for a long time. How did you feel when you read that? One does not take lightly when the President of the United States says that housing is a human right. This is a huge step for that country, but also for the world. Why is language so important for you? I think language uh, gives permission. It, it's like opening a door that allows for people to feel like, hey, right, I do, I do have this right. The President said so. It also encourages other governments to go down that path, in my opinion. It creates a culture. But language is great, but legislation is better. And there is actually a country here on the other side of the bridge called Denmark. I mean, I'm in Sweden, Denmark. I can actually see it. Long time since I've been there because of the, of the lockdown. But they have something called Lex Blackstone. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to wind back to two years ago when we had the amazing premiere of Push in Copenhagen at the fantastic festival CPH Docks. And we were playing for sold out theaters. And you and I together with the amazing festival and uh, the press agent, Lena Bielenberg, they really managed to create what we call the perfect storm. Because suddenly your language was in all the newspapers of Denmark. And then the second screening, there was a panel with a lot of Danish politicians. Do you remember that I was on the street, an anti-Blackstone demonstration in the streets? I do remember. It was, it was very heated. We actually have now on our podcast somebody who was a then a young social democratic politician, but now he's the housing, Denmark, uh, housing minister of Denmark, also the interior minister, Kåre Dybvad. So welcome to Pushback Talk, uh, Kåre. Thank you very much. Remember, do you remember that screening at CPH Docs of, of, of my film? Yes, I remember it uh, very clearly, and uh, also the discussions we had afterwards, and all in the atmosphere in the streets, and also at the time, uh, uh, it was a heated debate uh, in uh, in Denmark about uh, housing regulation, and it was just, I think, half a year before our general election. So, so that was very uh, intense period also for me. It was, and, and I remember that your predecessor, then a much more neoliberal, uh, you're a social democrat, your predecessor as a housing minister, he said something like, yeah, you know, uh, there might be a problem in New York or maybe in London, but not in Copenhagen, <laughs> he said. And then like 50% of the room was just standing up and shouting. You know, it, it was kind of a very strong reaction, remember? Yeah, yeah, I remember quite clearly and... and uh, and what I think much of uh, of what people reacted on was that that we actually had some very uh, difficult cases and where Blackstone was entering Copenhagen, buying up uh, large properties where where you had very low rent uh, apartments and and I think some of the people there were also the people who were living in in those apartments uh, around the city center. Yeah, there was coming to almost every screening we had in Copenhagen. There were 
lot of tenants coming from houses bought by by Blackstone, and and the stories coming from them was quite intense. You know, these kind of stories that people knock their door and say, we want to change windows. Yeah, but the other landlord changed window, windows eight months ago. No, no, we want to go, we're going to change your windows. So there was all this kind of very aggressive way of trying to do renovations so they could push up the rent. When did you, when did you see this problem the first time? How did, when did you understand how aggressive this was? Well, in our legislation, we had a paragraph from the 90s where Copenhagen was a worn down uh, industrial city. I think maybe as Swede, you, you might remember that time. Copenhagen was almost bankrupt as a city. Uh, and, and we changed the legislation back then so that you could make a large renovation of apartments and then uh, and then push up the rent. Uh, and that was meant to be maybe a 50% increase when people moved out. But then through the, the decades uh, since the 90s, it has been used more and more aggressively. Uh, and then when we saw some of the international uh, investors, uh, Blackstone as the most aggressive, but also others from, from the UK and from the US, then it came to a whole new uh, level. Uh, and I got uh, letters from uh, mails from, from people who had their uh, rent uh, pushed up by by 200% and and, uh, and other crazy stories about also uh, Construction workers entering people's bedrooms at uh, at uh, half past six in the morning, and all these stories, and and of course it was part of a of a way to to buy up apartments, and then because you have to get people to move to make these very profitable uh, renovations, then they used all the methods they had to to get people out of the apartments so they could push up the rent after renovating and then uh, get new uh, uh, tenants in and and usually the tenants who came in were people who who were unaware of of uh, Danish uh, housing regulation and for example they they had many from embassies around the world and then just you know paid the price whatever high it was i have to admit that when i understood that push the film would be screening as its world premiere in Denmark, I actually didn't know that Blackstone and other big asset management firms, etc., were active there. Uh, but of course, when I realized that Push was going there, then we started to do some research. And of course, I figured out that there were these protests going on. And, and this pattern that I had seen in so many other countries was in fact, I couldn't believe it actually, that it was in fact playing out in Denmark and in Copenhagen specifically. Um, I mean, I think you'll recall, I, as UN rapporteur, I wrote a series of letters, including a letter to the government of uh, Denmark. Uh, you were not minister at the time. Um, and uh, expressing my concern because I was seeing this global pattern. Um, but it did surprise me that it had taken hold in, in Copenhagen to the extent that it had. But one thing you said that I really think is so important, and I, 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 it, it's the same narrative I have, which is we have in place laws and, in fact, a whole paradigm that may have worked 
in the 90s. But we're in an entirely new landscape now. And those things aren't working now. And they're being taken advantage of. And, and, and I really like what you said about that, because I think we are in a new era. And I think you've recognized that w- through your law, um, which is which is very cool and really important. Well, I agree with that. Uh, especially in the Nordic countries, we had uh, some three or four different uh, periods of housing regulation where the period between start 90s and until a few years ago, uh, there was a, a strong confidence in, in market solutions and also in in leaving uh, some of the need for uh, leaving all of the need for 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 affordable housing to to the social housing uh, associations and non-profit associations and then and then letting the market take risk of it and, and i think that's that's that made a very difficult situation in in the nordic capitals and and also in copenhagen where where you have some 20 percent uh, that is non-profit housing associations and then you would have 80% market uh, housing. And, and that's what we challenged with our legislation, saying that the old housing, uh, private housing uh, um, estates, uh, those should be regulated and we should keep a strong and tight regulation so that it's possible for people who have uh, normal jobs to drive the buses in Copenhagen or who, who's uh, who's working in the kindergartens or in the shops, uh, uh, at the counters, they they should also be able to to live uh, close to that job. They shouldn't, uh, on top of a low wage, also have uh, a one and a half hour commute to get to the to the place they work. And and that's very important uh, for us to to reinstate that principle in the way that we plan our cities. I I think what you just said, uh, it's a very simple sentence. You said that it's important that also nurses and bus drivers and people who work in shops have the right to live in the city. It's a very simple sentence, but it's actually very radical. It shouldn't be radical because it's like, this is how we remember that cities were. But I mean, when we've been around the world, we see nurses, teachers, bus drivers, taxi drivers, they are all commuting into the cities to work. They they can't afford to live there. And I remember when we were in Copenhagen for the premiere, we made a lot of interviews, we met a lot of people. All the the young journalists told us the same stories. I cannot afford to live in town. I have to live out there. I live with a friend. I mean, also young professionals were under the same stress. So, I mean, you're, I mean, I've checked you. You were 34 when you were in the panel. You're 36 (laughs) now. So you're, you're also kind of closer to to that generation who is not so safe because the older generation might sit a little bit safer. So you do you think that also you have closer to when your your passion in this is also connected to that your yourself is also in this kind of stage of life where you you need to get into the housing market and suddenly it's not that easy anymore. Well, I think that for, for my generation of people who are born in the 80s, there's another view on on how housing market and urban development goes uh, and how, how it works uh, when we go uh, back a few decades then there was a very strong emphasis on on uh, on uh, development and and how to turn around cities who were maybe especially especially the inner parts of the cities were were challenged by uh, urban decay or, or how you how you say and and um, and I think that for my generation with more had a skip 
a much more skeptical view on uh, on the whole loan, bank loan, and and expensive housing and the financial crisis and how it worked together with and crashed in 2008 and especially in Denmark but also many other European countries we've seen severe consequences from that and and people losing their houses losing their jobs and banks going bankrupt because they they uh, they made all these crazy investments and i think it's it's been part of 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 the of the upbringing that we had and 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 the and the and the way we we view uh, urban development is also uh, is also influenced by by those experiences in in the in the financial crisis and i think that's why people uh, have a much more strong support for 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 demanding uh, a non-profit housing in urban development and for keeping old uh, cheap private apartments regulated and and for keeping prices down on co-op housing which is also a very large part of Copenhagen housing as in Sweden also uh, and we're fighting a, a very strong a fierce battle to keep those housing prices somewhat low. It's it's still very expensive, but but to to keep a large part of the middle class into the group that that can actually buy their own house in one way or the other, and to ensure that those who can't they have the possibility to to move into nonprofit apartments. This makes me want to go back to our days two years ago in Copenhagen, Leilani. Uh, The Canadian embassy invited us for lunch and they also had invited some key players of the Danish uh, business life. And they were all in in the real estate business. And there was only one empty chair that somebody who had promised to be there, and you can guess, Corey, who it was. It was Blackstone. didn't show up. <laughs> Jansson, Nils Jansson. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So they, he didn't show up when he understood the, what the film was about and when Leilani had started to speak. But remember, Leilani, you were sitting with somebody, I should maybe mention the name, but it was from somebody very heavyweight player in, in your country, saying that it's not a human right to mid- live in the middle of, of Copenhagen. And Re- Re- Le- I remember, so you lost a little bit of your beautiful face for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that yeah. was a very tense conversation because, uh, I mean, as you said, uh, Frederick, it is a radical, for some reason, it's become a radical idea that people who make our cities work should actually live in those cities I mean, how that's become radical, I don't know. But this gentleman was saying to me, you know, human rights don't say that you have the right to live in city centre. And so we got into a big debate about that and about the merits of having teachers, firefighters, police officers, nurses living in the city. And while there may not be the right to the city, there may not be a human right to live in city centre, there is a human right to remain in a unit that you're living in and to not be costed out of your unit and basically forced out by escalating prices. That is a human right because affordability is a key component of the right to housing. And so enacting legislation to protect that, the ability of people to stay in their homes is super important and is consistent with the right to housing. That's what I argued 
<laughs> Corey, just a quick one. Uh, when you when you entered into the into the government uh, two years ago, the letters from Leilani about Blackstone landed on your table to to answer. And you were one of the the ones who actually did the works. The Swedish government hardly answered at all. So I mean, and other governments, the, the American government certainly didn't answer. So, what did you think when you saw those letters? Well, I think that it is uh, a very p- important uh, uh, focus uh, to, to have in all of uh, of uh, cities around the world where where people are getting pushed out, uh, and and I and we and we ran to that election uh, on some of the the issues that you brought up in your film, and and that was uh, that was debated around also in Copenhagen, both because of your film, but also because of 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 the new players on the Copenhagen housing market, especially Blackstone, and uh, so so that was uh, that was in line with with what I thought, and I think also I answered it. I don't remember exactly what I wrote in that answer, but but I think we did, and, and we were working at that time in making a proposal for legislation that was uh, strong enough to uh, to push out uh, or to, to make some of the most aggressive investors stay away from Denmark, uh, and and also to to send a warning to some of we we still have many uh, Danish especially pension funds and also many Scandinavian uh, investors uh, big Swedish and Norwegian uh, housing uh, asset managers uh, who who uh, who are in Copenhagen but also to send a warning to them that that if you misuse uh, some of this legislation which is not it's not detailed into every small sense and so so you can always find some ways to if you if you care so little about people who live in the apartments you can find a way to to make uh, fast money on it so so that was the double side of that legislation and that was what we were preparing at the time when when i uh, when i answered the letter from you and then you started up a parliamentary committee straight off that was almost your first move yeah, we we did that before the election. We we forced because of the debate. We 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 managed to to get the former government to put down that committee also because they wanted to, they wanted to not have that debate and and, uh, but but there were uh, three uh, uh, experts who were who were uh, making a, a strong. Uh, Case and analysis on 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 the situation with this specific paragraph, and what they concluded was that that usually they double the rent in 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 our capital area when people move out, some new tenant move in, then the the rent is is typically doubled, and of course we could see when we have some seventy five thousand of these regulated cheap apartments left that is not yet been renovated, then it would be a matter of seven or eight years before they would all be at a whole different uh, level of rent and, and we needed to move relatively fast to, to get that, uh, to change that development. Uh, and we saw also, we had some other people looking at, at the prices of, of the property in, 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 uh, in Denmark and in Copenhagen especially, and we saw that in five years they doubled the value, uh, the, 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 the prices they're, they're trading them for were doubled in five years. So we, so we could see that that was something going on that wasn't uh, sustainable in the long run and not for the people who buy them, but especially not for the people who live in them uh, because they would be pushed out. Because what especially Blackstone did was that when they buy them, they they put in 
in the in the way they calculate the price, they put in an expectation of how many people they can get out of the apartment in the first two years, five years, whatever. And then because they they expect to get people to move much quicker than other buyers, then they they can they can calculate a higher price, and then uh, and then they they win, of course, and they buy the the properties in the end. Uh, and that's what we wanted to to stop. And and I think we did manage to get a. Uh, an agreement that that has stopped uh, many of the, of those small uh, short term speculators. First of all, I I think that that parliamentary committee is really interesting, and again, offers a model for other countries, in my opinion, to start there. Review it yourself. I mean, I keep you know agitating with different governments and and saying, look, look what's happening within your borders. But it's it's really for parliamentarians to investigate this themselves and understand the issue. I think that's very important. But I'm wondering, Carr, if you could take us through the legislation a little bit. Like, what does your legislation actually do? How did you manage this scenario through legislation? And um, yeah, what does it look like? Well, there's there's three uh, main parts of it. Uh, uh, there's one part uh, that's strengthening tenants' rights, one part making it making the the renovations more uh, climate friendly, but also thereby more difficult to make. And then there's one part uh, making uh, it impossible to make renovations and double the rent within the first five years that you own the property. So if we start with that last one, then then that's that's been the most debated one, and and the right wing parties or most of them uh, were were fiercely against uh, making this. A five-year. Originally, I wanted a ten-year uh, uh, ban on 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 this renovation and and housing, uh, but what the compromise was a uh, five-year uh, period, and I think also that's going to work. What we've seen since we put that in what is that that uh, the property prices has fallen uh, about eight to twelve percent, uh, and and that many of the well-known aggressive uh, investors uh, don't invest in Copenhagen anymore. Uh, but still we have pension funds and we have uh, Swedish investors, especially uh, who, who still invest in, 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 in Copenhagen. But but there's been a push towards building, constructing new uh, properties uh, and less buying old properties. And, and that's just actually what we want as a government because Constructing new property is, is more does add new apartments, even if they're expensive. It it does add a new apartment so that that the demand is is better met. Uh, so that's one part. That's that's the five year ban on 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 making this rent increase. And then we strengthened uh, tenants' rights by a series of new uh, measures. One one is uh, is that you can't offer people money to move out of the apartment. We saw a lot of tenants and I heard a lot of people writing to me about how they tried to buy everyone out of the apartment and people felt compelled to to take the money and get out of the apartment but in Copenhagen even if you get uh, like uh, 30,000 euros for moving out of your apartment you can't buy anything with that money so it does leave people without a home Um, and we we tripled the fines that you get when you when you uh, when you don't uh, comply with uh, with housing board's uh, uh, recommendations, and we 
uh, made a, a lot of other smaller uh, changes that is very uh, in, down in the paragraphs, but does make difference. For example, you every tenant in an apartment gets to know what the other tenants pay in rent. So so uh, so you have a transparency, uh, which of course worked. The the non transparency situation worked for for the landlords especially. And then we, we made new demands on, on the climate standard, the energy standard of the building. So when they renovate, they have to use more of the money, uh, most of the money on getting a climate friendly buildings. Uh, and of course, that's, that's also working for the tenants because it's, uh, it's pushing down the, 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 the cost for, for heating the houses. Uh, so, so that's the, the three main parts. Uh, and, and especially the, the five year uh, ban on, on housing uh, increase after you buy an apartment. That's been very de- debated. And obviously very successful because if the, these companies say it's not so nice to invest in, in, in Denmark anymore, it's like, it's like you are actually freezing in this kind of this very destructive energy that is entering into many markets. And I know, I mean, Sweden, our, your neighbor country, we have this strong social democratic traditions, really taking care of people. You know, we have the feeling that we that we are defended and protected. But son- suddenly we could see that our old systems have also has eroded. And as you mentioned that, these new entities coming into our, our our homes, they were not on the housing market before. They are like, is they're all financial driven uh, groups and they're looking for loopholes. And in Denmark, they found, they found one loophole, how to put up the rent. And in Sweden, they found, found a different one. And so it goes from country to country. But overall, their idea is to push up the value of the of the stock of the of the company so they can sell them because it's I mean we have been looking into Blackstone for a long time and at their at their homepage it said buy, fix, sell. That's the business model of Blackstone. Buy, fix, sell. And when that buy, fix, sell comes in and in a very short time pushes up the rents and then they just move out. It's of course it's not good for any society. Not so it's 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 really cool that you're that you're taking them on. Absolutely. And how much how much pressure were you under to not try to pass that legislation? I'm interested to know that uh, for sure. How hard was it? Well, there was a lot of pressure, of course, parliamentary pressure from, from the right-wing parties, and most of them. We did get one of the parties into the agreement. That's what made it viable in the long run, because then they can't turn it around when if if they get a majority but but also from the pension funds association which is a bit of a a more uh, special situation for me because social democratic party in denmark also has have always been strong tied to labor unions and labor unions are in control of pension funds so so that was a bit more delicate uh, but but they were quite fair in their critique or, or keeping on more sort of, they weren't pushing out fake news and, and making uh, these kind of propaganda moves. But, but, but then there was the financial sector and the landlords associations. And those two were the most aggressive and, and they were trying to push the discussion into uh, another uh, form of of of, uh, of housing, which is called co-op housing, which is sort of a, a halfway between a rental and an owner 
uh, apartment. We have a lot of them, especially in Copenhagen. And because all these systems are linked together, they tried to make this scare campaign that 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 we were pushing down people's values and and that's that was large part of the debate and now we've seen it's been a year and of course uh, they weren't pushed down they exactly the same price or even higher than they were at the time but but especially the financial sector were working also in with the lobbyists and 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 the people uh, that they engaged to to push on the political parties to to uh, to get this legislation stopped uh, or, or or postponed uh, at least and and of course also after we passed it, it's not popular everywhere to to uh, to stop the housing prices uh, increase and to especially on on property when when we've seen this eight to twelve percent decrease in prices then of course some of uh, some of the people who represent those values there. They're complaining about it, and and um, but but I used to say that that they had a double in in their price in five years. So so I think that in it's only if they bought just one year ago, then they lost something. If if they had the the property longer, then they still have still have a, a very strong business case in those properties. The the billionaires of America became twenty five percent richer twenty twenty, and I guess also the billionaires of Denmark made the same. So, I mean, we shouldn't pity the the rich right now. No. <laughs> But one question that journalists always ask me when I'm saying that I agree with rent caps or that I agree that uh, rents shouldn't be raised, you know, over periods of time, rent freezes, that sort of thing, they always say to me, well... Won't that mean that landlords will let their buildings fall into disrepair because they can't recoup the cost of the repairs or renovations or upgrades? What and and in light of your legislation, which also says that um, buildings should be moving toward green renovations, um, what's your response to that? Well, we also heard that a lot, uh, but I think that people uh, it didn't it didn't resonate that much in population in the media because i think that the people don't see it in there they you never visit someone in in copenhagen who has these uh worn down apartments there's there's very few of them left and and maybe of course there is a risk that some of the apartments are renovated less than they used to be but i'd also say that some of them were renovated too much and with the With a too high frequency, uh, I think that of course, as a landlord, you should you should be able to keep them in a good standard, the apartments, and and you should also be able to get those money back from from the people who lived in them. But that was just not the case, and you, I think we had a uh, we had I think they got the money back in two and a half of three years, and then but the rent was still very high, so so for. After three years, you paid the investment, and then you can move on. And there's there's no investments in the world at this time that pays off so well. Uh, so so I think it's and I and I think that they're going to be uh, just uh, they're going to be at a at a good level. And I don't think that this legislation is going to change uh, that situation very much. Uh, but then of, again, if 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 you if you have some apartments that has a different level of of maintenance than others uh, but it's still it's a, you're able to live there and and you you have a you have a high energy standard and and you have the the 
all the things you need in in to live there then then i think that's maybe also a part of the a diverse housing market that that you don't need perfectly maintenanced and renovated apartments for all people some if you're a student then you can live some years in something that is maybe at at a bit less maintenance. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> now I'll use, I'm going to just quote you from now on when I'm asked by journalists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I did live as a student <laughs> in those apartments. Me so. too. <laughs> Several. We had a, a few weeks ago, Leilani and I was part of a panel uh, at the progressive group of the, the, the European Parliament. And uh, Mr. Franz Timmermans, the executive vice president of uh, of the EU Commission, he first of all he recommended everybody to see Push, <laughs> which we liked. But he also said that, which I think was interesting, that I mean he's an older social democrat, and he said we 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 made some mistakes. We the social democrats also we we believed a little bit too much that the market would be the solution for everything, and now we have to solve this. Do you feel also that the same kind of uh, that you have to repair the mistakes of, of former generations, kind of? Yes, I think that's true because in the 90s we had a very, there was ideologically speaking, it was a very mixed time and, and people were trying to find social democrats at, at, at measuring by how many European governments were social democrats. I think it was 12 out of 15 or something like that in the mid 90s. So that was very successive, but 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 uh, measuring it uh, what changed in policy i think we did make some some mistakes in in believing in knowledge economy and and this uh, vision about uh, europe being some place that that uh, would think a lot and design a lot and then we would have uh, pro produced everything in china and and if our toilet broke down we would have some guy from romania coming to to fix it and and i think that that whole knowledge economy, uh, that that vision of society was wrong because it emphasized people with uh, long education and uh, high uh, salaries, uh, and it it sort of lost track of all the other people who who needs to be there to make a society viable and and sustainable, and people driving the buses and the people in our hospitals and all the other not only the doctors but also those. 90% of hospital uh, staff that are not doctors and 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 I think we lost track of of that that vision of of a society that that has a place for for everyone and even if you don't take long uh, you don't go to college or take any other long education then then you still have a high wage and and possibilities in your life and and I think maybe that was pushed out uh, in favor of some of some more uh, uh, focus on possibilities instead of equality, and and I think that's the case with the social democrats. But I also think that that what we learned also for some part because of the corona pandemic and and all these things going on is that that you can actually put a lot more of of how society develops and and the policy that you make into the hands of politicians and make political decisions, not push it to the EU or push it to the market or, or, or push the decisions everywhere else around. And, and, and I think that, that the notion that politicians make political decisions and, and we are responsible for those, I think it's it's been giving a, a lot more uh, room in, in, the, in the past two or three years, at least with, with the people I discuss uh, from the social democrats around around Europe. 
I find it amazing. I get a lot of pressure, a lot of comments that I'm trying to move the world back to socialism and that that people are so afraid of the idea of caring society, of caring governments, of re-engaging the social contract. I, I actually find it remarkable, but there is this new wave, and we're seeing it also with sort of feminist governance that's emerging, especially in the Nordic countries, but also elsewhere, where it's the sense of, uh, actually, we can be ca- caring, and we can su- we can have governments that support the people. And I'm, I'm so happy for that kind of movement. It makes it lets me breathe more easily when I when I see that politicians actually also agree that we need to strengthen the social contract. Mm. So what, you know, just one final question to you, Kore, Minister of Housing in Denmark, Kore Dybert. So what is your advice to your your colleagues in, in the rest of Europe? I mean, to, to the colleagues here in Sweden, because you in Berlin are ahead Well, I think that Lailani's uh, point about making a, a thorough work before you go into le- the legislation phase is very important. So we need parliamentary commissions or expert commissions or whatever tradition you have in each country is different probably from country to country. But I but I think that helped us a lot that we had this uh, 200 pages report to to uh, to stand on when we uh, when we came with our proposals uh, uh, back uh, some years ago and and i think that um that people should be aware that there are very uh, strong interests uh, at stake especially for for as i mentioned the financial sector was maybe skeptical of of our proposal and and you're getting in a fight with some of the some of the big players in in traditional politics but but i think that what when we discussed it also in the government i think we also always had the We always had the the view in it that that we were uh, proposing legislation that that most Danes uh, agreed in, and we think one thing is that that we think thought it was the right thing to do, and that's why we started it. But also that that most people agreed with us. Also, people who who vote for uh, center right parties, they, they also thought that that Blackstone and and the representatives they had in Denmark were going too far. So. So I think that was uh, that was one thing that that I always kept in mind. We were about to lose this whole case because some of the other parties in Parliament were were were, were changing. Also, some of them, one of the parties who brought us into power and who's supporting us as a government, usually they they were skeptical about this uh, this legislation. But but I think that that that's very important to to remember that the most people uh, see the reason behind having cities where all sorts of people can live uh, no matter uh, how much uh, you earn and and most people see see reason in 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 not making fast profits on buying and selling property because well i think at least in 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 the nordic countries uh, but also maybe in, in most of europe we have this one notion from from the social democratic and workers movement that that you should always push society towards uh, earning more on your work and earning less on owning money. So, so if we could do that uh, slowly but gradually, uh, I think that was that would be a, a strong positive force. And I think that that uh, restricting uh, fast money on property is one 
uh, one tool to get there, but the overall development of making people earn more on their job and less on their on their on their property and their assets, I think that that's very important to always keep in mind when when you make political decisions. Cool. That's a very good message to your colleagues out around Europe and, of course, out also in Canada or other countries that need inspiration. And I tell you also, Minister, that we, we were we've been contacted by a Danish uh, entrepreneur in the housing sector, Rasmus Nørgaard, and he, he bought for Christmas, he bought uh, like 200 licenses of the film to send to all his co-workers because he wanted them to see the film. And he's probably not a one of your voters anyway. So, I mean, also, I don't know. But I mean, also in that sector, there are people who who can have a, who can also oppose this kind of hit and run uh, tactics that, that Blackstone are more typical of. At least the people who built the houses are voting for social democrats. But I don't, <laughs> don't think that people who own the houses no. are voting for us. Not all of them, at least. No. That's okay. There are not so many. <laughs> so Leilani, uh, we, this was pushback talks. And uh, so what do we, do we need to say now? We don't have any money. Support us on, <laughs> on patreon.com. The way we always end. Talks. Every, every episode ends the same way. Please support our podcast. We do this with no resources. And today, again, thank you to CPH Talks, the, the, the best documentary film festival in the world seated in Copenhagen where we had a world premiere of Push and with the love and the passion of that festival we, we reached out to tenants in Blackstone homes and to journalists and to politicians that actually in the end landed in this podcast episode today isn't that cool Lilani? It's very cool Copenhagen has a special place in my heart now from my experiences just amazing. Thank you, Koro uh, Dubet, for, for taking part in, in Pushback Talks. And, and let's hope we can meet in Copenhagen one day and, and, and update this, um, because this, this story, history is not over, it will continue. Oh, you're very welcome here, and thank you for inviting me. Thanks so much. Thank you, Leilani. Now it's time for you to, I guess, walk the dog or something. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Take care. See you soon. Bye. Thank you. Pushback Talks is produced by WG Film. To watch Push, visit pushthefilm.com. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash pushbacktalks. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you again next week. <laughs>